Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Our guest today is Katie Sutton. Katie is an intuitive channel, vibrational healer, and way shower who provides her clients with practical tools and practices on their path to wholeness, joy, and fulfillment by living as their authentic self. After investing more than a decade into a combination of research and natural remedies for her own personal health concerns, formal study in undergraduate and graduate programs at the Boulder Psychic Institute, and earning certifications in professional and wellness coaching, Katie founded the Zen Within Academy. Her charismatic, compassionate approach to healing is equally transformational across a broad spectrum of modalities, whether it be sound healing journeys and speaking engagements with audiences numbering in the thousands, or smaller workshops, retreats, online events, and intimate individual sessions, and self-empowering curriculum based on her own original transformational 12th dimensional healing techniques. Welcome, Katie. Okay, we're here with Katie Sutton. Hello, Katie. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. Very, very happy to be here. Ah, it is always so good to talk to you. I really <laughs> believe that what we're going to bring forward in this conversation today is going to be medicine for you and I and all of the listeners. So thank you for carrying that medicine and, and being here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to start with some basics, with some introduction. Um, you call yourself an intuitive channel. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Sure. Yeah. It's so funny. I think this conversation of putting ourselves into a box is so difficult, right? And yes. for me, um, I've always been empathic. I've always been intuitive. I've, I've honed those skills. And out of that came this ability to channel. And the only channels that I ever was associated with or knew about were um, typically um, white males <laughs> that were giving us a breakdown of energies that were coming through and sharing messages with us that were sometimes very cryptic. And so um, a couple of years ago, when 
three or four people in a row told me, hey, you know, you're a channel. I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I want to be that, right? Yeah. And yeah. so when, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so when you're talking about white males, are you talking about like religious affiliation? I mean, or are you just talking about like men in charge? Just, just men in charge that okay. are our, cha- our actual channels that, um, it, it's so funny. So I was just describing this to somebody the other day that, um, you know, even in the work that I do, it's still primarily, white males that are famous for it. So there are channels out there that are amazing channels, but they're typically white males. And it's just this very interesting thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when she said to me, you're going to be a channel, I thought, Oh goodness, this is the only version that I've seen somebody that is channeling either um, written work or they're on stage and they're delivering messages from ascended masters or sentient beings that are larger than them, right? They're bringing that information through. And so typically when you hear channel, that is the old definition. So in the seventies, channeling was very, very popular. Um, Eckhart Tolle, um, uh, Louise Hay, some of these are, are channels that maybe haven't called themselves that, but they're basically bringing through information from other realms and, and transmuting that and sharing it with the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as a channel, that's one way that it can look, but my belief is that we are all channels. And so mm-hmm. for me, when channeling came online, I realized, oh, when I'm in flow, I'm channeling. So my, my husband is a painter when he's in the flow of painting, he's channeling, right? Mm -hmm. The, the writers that are very famous for saying, oh, I don't even know where this story came from. They're likely channeling, right? Mm -hmm. So my belief is that each of us, when we are in our full flow, when we are empowered in our divine masculine and our divine feminine and everything is in balance and moving forward, that we are all channels, Mm. And so I call myself an intuitive channel because what I do in session with clients is actually look across at them and intuit what's happening for them energetically. That might come in any of my senses. It might come through um, my clear knowing. It might come through my clear audience, my clairvoyance, right? It might come in any sense and that intuition of what's happening for them. And as I move to healing them or working with their energies to help them heal, I am channeling energies that are bigger than me. Sometimes that might look like Mother Mary, right? It might look like Mary Magdalene. It might look like um, an ascended master like Master Toth from Egypt. And I have access to all of these realms. So it's kind of like having this giant toolkit Mm-hmm. And rather than it just being my felt and known knowledge in this lifetime, I'm able to access a lot more. And so that means that you can show up to session with me and there are any number of things that might happen. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise, right? <laughs> it's a surprise. We don't yeah. know who's going to show up in the sessions with Katie. So you are, you're channeling these ascended masters and these energies from these different realms. That requires a huge amount of trust, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and getting to that level of trust was quite a journey for me. I imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Lots of clearing to get there. 
Okay. So for our listeners who might even be hearing about this channeling for the very first time, or other listeners might be really familiar with channeling or be aware that they're channels themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, this podcast is called Sacred Remembering Modern Women Waking Up to the Truth of Who They Are. So I want to invite you to share with us a little bit or as much as you want about your own personal journey. So um, did you always know you were a channel? Did you work in a pretty standard career like before you got to where you are now? I mean, give us little snapshots of that journey of waking up to the truth that you were a channel. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely did not always know I was a channel. <laughs> yeah. And um, when I was when I was little, I was exposed to things. I was very fortunate. I grew up outside of Asheville and my mom would take me to things like go learn how to communicate with your animals psychically or go learn how to harvest wild herbs and make tinctures and those kinds of things. And so when I was younger, I was exposed to a world much broader than the typical child. Right. Um, and, and so as I was exposed to that, I would take it in, but I would kind of always put it off to the side. Mm. And I always had this very distinct vision from as early as I can remember that I wanted to be CEO of a technology company. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was what I wanted to do. And my mom, I remember her bringing home like this DOS computer and um, me taking apart the computer and putting the computer back together and just loving technology and the processes around technology. So that was, that was my journey. Um, All through college, I, I studied management information systems and computer science um, graduated from college, went right into corporate America, worked for Bank of America and a few other companies and was in technology project management. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was channeling even then. Because okay, how's that? How's that? <laughs> because people would come to me and they would say, you know, I've got this project, but I'm not really sure how we're going to be able to succeed in getting it done in this budget or this timeline. And I would naturally intuit the whole project plan. Okay. I was, so it was like an intuitive <laughs> thing. It yeah. Was, okay. mm-hmm. All right. And I'm naming yes. this for listeners who are like, do I do that? Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's what I mean by, I think everybody is a channel. When you are in the flow of listening to your gut feelings, you're channeling you, right? You're channeling your higher self. You're channeling your connection to source through you. And so even then I was using my intuition and what I now call channeling, right? Abilities to, to birth these projects, these behemoth, huge multi-million dollar projects through, and it was really stressful and I got really sick Mm. because what I did not know at the time when I started in corporate America is that I was an empath and I've always been an empath and I had just started to turn it off in order to get through middle school, high school, college, and it all of a sudden, and I don't know why, turned back on in great magnitude when I started working in the corporate space. Okay. So my empathic abilities that I had largely been able to kind of turn down that I didn't even know I was turning down just rocketed, skyrocketed through the roof, right? And then what did that look like? You're in the corporate Uh, space and was it that intuitive project design or was like something else happening while you were in these really big spaces? What did it feel like as an as an empath in your body, in your mind? Yeah. So when, when it was flowing and I 
was not being put into boxes that I didn't want to be in. It was beautiful, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I was very successful. I moved up very quickly, faster than most. And, um, you know, on the outside, it looked like, wow, you are really doing an amazing job. But on the inside, what was happening is that my empathic abilities, because they were turned on so high and I didn't know it at the time, I was like a little sponge walking around, taking on everybody's stuff, their mm-hmm. emotional baggage, their stress. Um, I People would call me the glue stick because I would literally glue wow. together. And I didn't understand that <laughs> what was really <laughs> happening, right? And mm-hmm. so what happened is I started taking all this energy on as this you know, corporate empath is I got really sick. It started with shingles at 23. Wow. Um, Pretty severe case um, that came on out of nowhere in the middle of a huge deadline that I was working. Um, Then it moved to uh, kind of having rageful outbursts at home and being really stressed out, hair falling out, all kinds of things happening. And I didn't know what was going on. And it turns out I had Graves disease. Oh, wow which is a thyroid disorder that um, basically puts you into hyperthyroidism and it's believed to be very stress induced. And now what I'm realizing is it's also very empathy induced. Okay. And because I was taking on all of this energy from everyone else, my body was in free fall, right? It was trying to deal with all the stress and it didn't have any tools because I didn't know what was happening. I was just treating it from a physicality standpoint. Right. And can I just pause there and and ask, you know, or, or lift up that as women, you know, when you're in that corporate space, or when you're in a work environment and leadership space, and we want to be successful and carry the leadership position and carry the creative projects and ideas, um, there, there's like a, I don't know, a battle going on, like the internal Mm -hmm. battle that I think as young women, we don't realize it's going on, you know, this um, push to succeed. And then we start to get the, the physical symptoms a lot of the time where it's like, oh, this isn't working anymore. Like something is showing us that it's not working anymore. Can you speak to that? Like being a woman in that space? Absolutely. Um, I remember walking into my very first meeting for the group that I was a part of at my first corporate job and being the youngest person in the room and the only female. Yeah. And so that was my world, right? And because I was empathic and didn't know it, I put up a lot of walls. Um, And those walls were really there to keep me in the wounded masculine of over-efforting and overdoing. Because that was what was required, I thought, in order to be successful, because I really didn't have a role model to look at that said, oh, you can actually use your intuition, you can actually be in flow, and you actually get to say no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So qualities that are inherently feminine, like intuition, um, using emotions to navigate situations, they're not qualities that are valued in the workplace. And so we as women, especially young women, repress and suppress those because that status quo. And then we're relying on masculine qualities and yes, sometimes wounded masculine qualities when um, we're denying the feminine and then we're like overworking and overexerting. So this is new language for some. So I'm just sort of repeating the gist of what you said, um, which is super, super important. I'm super glad we're having this conversation. 
Yeah. And so I was in that, in that place for my entire career. Yeah. Um, me too. <laughs> 13 years, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it looked like for me. And um, it got to a point where I was so sick that I had tried all the doctor routes and my husband um, very astutely said, Hey, maybe you should go back to meditating and yoga. <laughs> And I said, sure, great, let's try that. We've tried everything else, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was getting really sick and I actually was working in education and I started to bring in mindfulness and trauma healing and trauma awareness into my career because Mm -hmm. as I was discovering that that's what I needed myself, uh, thankfully being in school administration, I could like bring some of that forward. And so I actually merged my healing path and my work path um, for a number of years before I ended up leaving that career. Uh, but yeah, thank goodness for <laughs> those wake up calls that help us to return. So you started meditating, started meditating, started going to yoga, eventually ended up becoming a yoga instructor and um, concurrent to all of that began my deepening of my spiritual studies and my tools. Yeah. Um, went to school for three years um, at the Boulder Psychic Institute to hone my clairvoyance um, and start to learn what it meant to be an empath. Because while all of this was happening and I start going to yoga and meditation and people are using words like empath and intuition, I'm having a remembering of what my mom shared with me when I was little. Right. And some of the things that I studied, right? And so it all came back around full circle. And as I began teaching yoga, that allowed me to come out of the spiritual closet at work because people would ask me what I do for fun. And I would say, oh, I'm an an aerial yoga instructor. And they'd say, oh, what is that, right? And I get to have this conversation with them about yoga. And then they start telling me things that they don't tell anybody else. That's right. They start telling me that they meditate. They start telling me that, you know, they've been to see a shaman or, you know, whatever, right? right? And so that allowed me ever so slightly to come out of the spiritual closet and start to use my voice. And yes. concurrent to that, I started doing sound healing and um, doing mantra and other things to support my voice. And that's when my thyroid came back into balance. Wow. So that was an intuitive thing that you found the sound healing and started using your voice to heal your throat? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. it was it was all just being in flow and watching what was coming at me and, and trying different things. And, and I've found that when it comes to working with people that have stress-induced, um, you know, disease processes or patterns, that the secret sauce for whatever's going to help them heal is very unique to them, right? It might have multiple components as it did for me, but it was about using my voice in as many different avenues as possible over and over and over again and doing the scary thing of stepping forward and using my voice no matter what. Right. And so you knew that. So you could, um, here's what I'm trying to lift up here. We get the information about what we need intuitively. Was that your experience? Yes. Or somebody would drop it in my field or in my feed or, you know, as things come to us. Yep. It's coming to you. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this, I, you know, as women, there's often a search, um, like a, sometimes perpetual search for that thing that's going to solve the health issue or, you know, completely overhaul the life. And, and what I really want to 
honor is that those answers arise. You know, I, you mentioned the meditation. So getting quiet so that you can hear those answers arise and notice the things that are coming into your life. But it really will line up like that, that we can trust that it's going to line up like that. Um, and we're not used to living that way when the answers are outside of ourselves, you know, when we, when we think that the answers are outside of ourselves. Um, so we have to like reorient to actually it's going to, to come to us. Um, and we can trust what is arising inside of us. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to put it, Sarah, because, you know, I had to work to be still and quiet in order to hear the voices and the information and the intuition, right? Yeah. So I had to pull on the routine and the structure that I was very used to creating in the corporate environment to give me enough space as a soul to sit down and actually allow the answers to come. So it's not that we just show up and we kind of stand there with our arms wide open and wait for things to just land. Yeah. It has to be the balance, right? We have to create the structure of the container so that intuition can flow. Yeah. And and so that's what yoga and meditation did for me, right? It was there was enough structure, there was enough guidance for me to actually make space in my body to be able to sit still because I was go, 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 go mode, correct? Right? That's right. the way we are, right? That's the way we are, especially yeah, in that corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And so yoga and meditation actually created enough structure for me in a very interesting and fluid way to get still. Mm-hmm. And then when I was still there was enough of a change in my internal landscape so that my external landscape started to show up to support me in cultivating that stillness. Amazing. So then how did you, how did you start to channel? Yeah. So after three years of studying at the Boulder Psychic Institute and basically learning how to be a psychic surgeon, which is to, for all the listeners out there, I have this ability to go in and clear energy like a surgeon. (laughs) I have all these tools, right, that I can go in and when there's a block, I can clear it out. And so I did that process pretty in depth on myself before I started working with clients, obviously. And as I started working with more and more clients, there were bigger and bigger boulders that I was carrying, Mm -hmm. um, like energetic programs that say, you know, it's not okay to be in flow. You have to be in the corporate space in order to succeed. Just lots of different things came up to the surface to be cleared. Mm -hmm. And I spent about 18 months going through a very deep clearing process Mm-hmm. And as that happened, when I graduated from Boulder, I thought, okay, I'm going to move into their transmedium channeling program. And it didn't open up. Oh, not and supposed so, to do that. <laughs> yeah. And so here I thought I had a plan of how I was going to become this channel that everybody told me I was, you know, all these intuitives said, oh, you're a channel, you're a channel. And I had this plan on how I was going to become that. And my guides had other plans for me. Mm-hmm. So as I graduated immediately weeks, I think maybe two weeks after I graduated, the um, experiences just started to happen to me in meditation where huge levels of energy would pour through my body. And then I would either have to write or speak about what was happening. Okay. 
And so it, it just kind of occurred. Mm-hmm. And, but what happened, and this is the process that I think the listeners can relate to, is that when we take the time to get still and when we take the time to find the things that are blocking us from living our best life and we actually do the work to let those go and we actually receive support in letting those go, then we each can become channels to our higher self and to source to receive whatever it is that is our unique medicine that we are to be doing in the world. Yes. And so it's not that you become a channel because we all are channels. It's the process of letting go of the baggage and the blockages that are keeping us from channeling in every moment. Mm, So beautifully said. So beautifully said. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about this um, bridge from being an empath to clearing the trauma to being a channel. Sounds good. Hey, it's Sarah. I really believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that this is affecting her entire life. That's why I've created a women's mastermind beginning in early January of 2020. What sacred truth are you ready to embody this year? Visit sarahpoet.com now and sign up for more information on this mastermind. I will be teaching, leading, and together we will be co-creating a transformational experience where every woman in this sacred circle will rise into the embodied truth of who she is. This is potent. If you can feel it and 2020 is your year to really embody your true essence, then please visit sarahpoet.com and get on the waiting list now. Okay, so we're back and um, you're creating a course, Katie, called The Way of the Happy Empath. Yes. And I, I'm not even sure if it's going to be a course or a book or a workshop or a retreat or all of the above. Okay. It's forming. And yeah. yes, I've been studying. Um, so at the beginning of October, I'll just give you a little background on how I got here to this. But um, in the beginning of October, I had an epiphany about a pattern that was running where I was in overgiving, overpleasing, um, overdoing just all the overs (laughs) were out of whack. And it was actually on the um, energetic portal day of October 10th. And I woke up and I had like 16 emails from clients and text messages and family. And I just was like, I can't, I can't today. I'm going to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And as I went out for this walk, um, this as happens for me when I get still, right? Even when I'm walking and I'm quote unquote still, um, they just started downloading information and energy through me. And I felt the holding on in my body. I felt the rigidity in my body. Like you were resistant. And so I made a commitment. I called my friend Kathy and I said, okay, I need you to. I I called my friend Kathy and I said, I need you to hold me accountable because I am done with this pattern, this over-pleasing, this people-pleasing, all of the overs, right? And I just really need you to hold me accountable. And really, I did that not because I really needed her to hold me accountable because she really hasn't had to call me out on it, but I needed to speak it out loud to someone. So powerful, that right there. Yes. Yes. I did that yesterday with someone. I was like, I'm going through this. 
I need you to know about it so that the next time we talk, you can ask me about this, but yes. you didn't have to do yes. anything. It was just speaking it out loud. Such a powerful tool for women. Yes. And, and that speaks to me using my voice, right? Yet another yes. way that I can use my voice to shift the energy. And so I spoke that truth of I'm letting go of this pattern. And I say truth because I felt it in my bones. I've thought about it. I've tried, but I felt it. And um, several days later, I'm at a women's conference and there's some discussion on the trauma connection with our, um, you know, with our sacral chakras and how we might hold trauma in our sacral chakras that feels sexual, but it maybe isn't. And we haven't had that experience. And it feels like we're holding it in that part of our body and it feels just the same. And so I'm having this moment of, okay, I've got trauma. That's where this holding on is, right? And then a couple of weeks later, the trauma begins to be cleared out of my body. Mm -hmm. And I have massive heart openings, massive sacral chakra openings, huge clearings for about a month. Mm -hmm. And that takes us to the beginning of November. And as I'm studying this trauma leaving my body, so as it's leaving my body, because I'm a channel, I'm able to step out of my body and watch my guides pulling the energy out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm observing this process happening and they're teaching me as they're healing me, (laughs) which is pretty amazing and pretty cool all at once. Right. And And also pretty overwhelming sometimes. And so that's how I, that's how I create my courses. I go through it and I heal it and I experience it. And I watch as I'm receiving the healing and then the clients show up in droves. Like I think right after that cleared out, I had, you know, 15 or 20 clients show up all at once that were working on childhood trauma and empathy. Yep. And so I started studying it, right? And what I've noticed is that um, both within me and the clients that have showed up is that they were empathic children who were in sometimes really traumatic home environments and sometimes home environments that on the outside looked okay, but they didn't feel safe. Yes. And as they are empaths, part of being an empath is that you take on everybody else's stuff, right? Mm -hmm. When you're a child empath, it looks like you being in the room and people are fighting and you naturally suck that negative energy into your body in order to shift the energy of the room so that you feel safe again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started to have all these amazing memories from when I was little of my parents being in argument or my mom deciding to stay with my dad after he's, you know, cheated on her or whatever the story was and me feeling uncomfortable in that and trying to change the energy in the room by pulling it right into my physical body. Right. Wow. Okay. So this is what you were getting rid of, or this is what was being removed from you then in November? Yes. In October, November. Mm -hmm. And so as that trauma layer came to the surface to be cleared, what I started to realize is that what we call trauma and what I was experiencing in my body were two different things. Okay. Say more about that. Yeah. So typically people talk about trauma as the big things, like I was held up at gunpoint or I was in a car accident or I was raped or, you know, the things that people talk about, right. As being T people call big big T traumas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and I know about little T right. Where somebody might've said something to me in the schoolyard and I took it to heart and created a trauma out of that. Mm -hmm. But this is completely different than that. This is being traumatized because of who you naturally are and what you're naturally doing in a situation because you're an empath. 
I've never heard it talked about like this. I know it's total. It's a kind of a radical way to look at it, right? I but, love radical. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I was feeling in my body is literally my pain body that had been acting up. So when I was having Graves' disease and all those other things, I was having chronic pain where I would take six ibuprofen a day just to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And so as empaths, we use our pain body as a signal when the energy comes in. So let's say you're sitting across from me and you're grieving. I might have an actual pain in my heart. That might be how I experience it, right? Mm -hmm. A contraction. So as an empathic child and I'm in a room full of conflict or my parents are arguing or whatever's happening and I am in that room and I don't know how to hold a boundary, I'm naturally going to be the sponge and I'm going to take that into my body. And then as a little kid, I'm not going to know what to do with it. So I'm going to store it away in this pain trauma body that I have now found within me and within my clients. And it's just going to live there. Okay. And it lives in a specific part of the body. It's going to be different for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might be all over, right? It might, I mean, as I experience the trauma body for those that I heal and work with, it is, um, you know, it, it's, it permeates their whole being. Um, but they might have it present in adulthood, like a knee that goes out, right. Or a shoulder that's frozen. Or for me, it was my, my entire throat closed up basically. And I got Graves disease, right. I I had this huge, um, mass in my thyroid and, and so it, it presents differently on the physical. It also presents differently in the patterning. So for me, it was the people pleasing. It was the always being the one to pick up the phone when somebody was hurting. It was the one that always put myself last. And so when I made that declaration to the universe that I was going to let go of this pattern, what I didn't know was that that pattern was rooted in me being an empathic child that created this trauma body. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so as I started to let go of the trauma, the pattern didn't need to be there anymore because the pattern of overdoing and people pleasing and being the one to save everyone around me came from thinking that that was my job because when I was little, it actually was my job as an empath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for listeners who are now adults and they're like, yeah, I take on other people's stuff and it doesn't feel good. And I have this really low energy or whatever, you know, however it's manifesting how do women work with that? I mean, we, we hear a lot about boundaries and setting <laughs> boundaries, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But like, what, what are some other tools on this path or talk about boundaries? Yeah. So boundaries are definitely a big part of it, right? But it's really difficult to set boundaries when you have these traumas running in the background. Okay. Let's like right there. That is so <laughs> So you might try to set boundaries and be like, why in the world can I not make this work? What is wrong with me? Right. And you're doing it over and over and over again. But what we don't realize is that that inability to create a boundary is because when we were young, we were traumatized. Right. And we're holding on to that trauma and that trauma is keeping us in the pattern that's keeping us from setting the boundary. And it feels bigger than we are. Okay. Yeah. So can I add something to that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when we're in a trauma or in a trauma response, same, same reactions happening in the body, there's a fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're getting that, um, the boundary 
in that circumstance could feel like it needs to be a protective fighting action. Like if we are wanting to fight or flee, then we're actually um, not grounded in our boundary setting. That's, you know, that's one way I explain it, why it feels really difficult to do in that, mm-hmm. in that place. Right. So we need to clear the trauma before we can set the boundary. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's how I approach it anyways. And what I've seen is, and and when I say clear the trauma, I think the way that I went through it with a very physical release in the body, it doesn't have to look like that. It can look like any way that anybody has in their toolkit, right? So it just means that they need to get in touch enough with their inner child and their inner little girl or inner little, you know, inner little being to know that there is trauma there and to know that that pattern of not being able to set a boundary is bigger than you because it started so far back. Right. 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 And so if we can get in touch with that and say, okay, what happened in my household that would make me feel unsafe, that would have made me feel like I have to be a people pleaser and have to take on other people's stuff in order to be loved, right? right. So when when I set that that precedent that I'm letting go of that pattern and then the trauma came to the surface, I realized that I was over giving to others because I didn't feel loved. Yeah. And it just came down to that. And we know that, that love is the answer, right? (laughs) Like every guru, every meditation person tells you like, love, love is it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand that that lack of love came from me being so traumatized when I was younger. I didn't understand that. And so I really had to dive headfirst into looking at what was happening with my parents, what was happening with me when I was little and just exploring that. And I explored it with childlike curiosity. Mm. And at the same time, I have all of these parents all of a sudden showing up with eight to 14 year olds that they want me to work with. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm watching these little empaths in these tiny little eight year old bodies walking into my sessions and they're saying and I ask them, well, you know, what what's happening for you? And and typically they're showing up with ADHD or rage issues or body things going on. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them, when I say what's going on with you, they start talking to me about everybody around them and how bad everybody around them feels feels and how it makes them feel. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I watch them speak about this, I watch the different energy centers in their body and their trauma body and their pain body lighting up because mm-hmm. nobody's ever taught them how to hold an energetic boundary. Right. Right. And so we, we talk and we clear and I help them release the energy. And then I give them a tool. And, you know, I know you were asking about, like, how do we hold these energetic boundaries? What is the tool, right? And there's a million answers to that question. Mm -hmm. But for my little kids, it's something that is a visual for them at the end of the day where they go in and they take up everybody else's stuff out of their field. Mm. So we can try this together if you want, Sarah. I can. Give I would you a- love it. Okay. All right. Great. So um, just everybody listening and you just take a deep breath and drop in. And when I say drop in, I want you to really notice as the breath moves through the body, how the body feels. Notice where the body is contracted. Notice where the body is expansive. 
and just notice. So don't go into judgment or story. Just be curious. And as you breathe, if there is a particular part of your being that feels contracted, and it might be pain or stress or tension or just a gentle pulling, I invite you to create a paintbrush in your hand. And imagine that that paintbrush is here like you're on an archaeological dig and you're going to slough away the debris that's covering the fossil. So you're going to take that paintbrush in your hand and you're going to begin to just brush away the energy blockage wherever it is. So for me in this moment, I'm feeling contraction in the back of my neck. And so I'm going to take that paintbrush right there and I'm going to start to slough away all of that energy. And I'm just going to move through my body in this way. And if the, uh, the metaphor of a paintbrush doesn't work for you, then you can use any tool you want, right? I like to give my clients free reign. My kids often will come up with like a leaf blower or a vacuum or something <laughs> fun like that, right? So you get to have fun with this. And as you're collecting up all of that energy and releasing it, right, you can send it back to its source. You can send it to the earth. You can just release And with every breath, as you do this, you're letting go of something that doesn't belong to you. And as that process continues, just notice the stillness that comes into the body with that simple exercise. And I always like to put back what we release with something even better. So a beautiful way to do that is to just watch a flow of energy coming in through the crown of the head, like it can be a golden light, a white light, and just let that be representative of you and your highest self and source, you at your divine perfection, and let that move through the body and make its way all the way down, and just drop into that place of ease. And in this very simple, just few-minute exercise, what we've done is we've taken back control, right? So we've stepped out of being empathic as being something that has wounded us and stepped into a place of, oh, look, I actually am empathic, so I can feel in my body when something is stuck. And that is my indicator that I can do something about it. And so each of us is empathic, right? None of us lacks empathy. Even in some small degree, everyone has empathy. And it is getting heightened right now as we are evolving as souls. In order to evolve as a collective consciousness, we have to be connected to one another. And in order to be connected to one another, this beautiful feeling of empathy is coming forward where we can actually feel what others are feeling. And so my belief is that everything that's happening in our physical being, our emotional being, our mental being has an energetic source. And oftentimes that energetic source is somebody else's frequency in our space, somebody else's energy in our space. And so if we all pay attention to the signs that our body is giving us and do 
some practice, right? Breath work is a practice. Yoga is a practice. If we do it with the intention of letting go what isn't ours and coming back into ourselves, then we can shift our collective consciousness so quickly. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Katie. That was such a concrete way of understanding both energetics and being an empath as well as collective healing. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I totally felt that working. I, there was this tension in my left jaw, back of left neck, and the, the brush worked. And then um, there was a, an invitation to feel the whole of me at one time um, and just more integration. Mm. Thank you so much for leading us through that. That was so nice. Yeah, I I feel that the best um, way to explain anything is just to feel it in the body. And because I'm an empath, that's how I learn. (laughs) Right. So that's part of. So I want to say that empathy is a superpower. That's what I was just going to say. That's where I was going to go. So yeah, like the empathy is the superpower. The transmuted traumas are the superpower. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as I alluded to in the end of that meditation, it's if we understand that allowing our empathy to kind of turn on or increase is a, is a way for us to connect to other people, but also a way for us to feel what's really happening in our body. Then we begin to realize that empathy is a superpower, right? So I often, if I have um, something going on with me in the physical, it used to be that I thought, okay, there's just something in the physical. Mm-hmm. Now, now I realize that because I've tuned into my empathy and I've allowed that to lead me, that if there's a pain in my neck, there's a stuck energy there. Um, there may be a lot of different things going on there, but then I can use that pain in my neck to draw my attention to it, to get still enough to feel into what my body is telling me. And so in this course that I'm building and in the other programs that I teach, I really take you through this understanding of the energy body and the different ways that energy can get blocked and the different things that we carry. And I teach you how to heal it. Right. But the foundation of that is that empathy is is how we tune into it. So if you can't visualize, it doesn't matter because you can always feel your body, right? So getting in tune with the body is the first step. And so as we use empathy as a superpower, then we start to realize that the pain in the body is just an indicator and the contraction in the body is just an indicator and we can start to head off disease processes. We can start to head off all kinds of things before they get bigger, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's how empathy becomes a superpower when we start to realize that the thing that created trauma for us as a little kid because we were so empathic and we felt everything. Now, when we reclaim it, right, when we heal that trauma and we let go of it and we reclaim our empathy, then it becomes something that allows us to be guided in anything that we do, regardless of the job that you're doing. Empathy is required, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to feel into the room of people that you're presenting to, to know if you're boring them to tears or if they're picking up what you're putting down, right? That's empathy. Mm -hmm. So it can be used at all times and it's very closely 
intertwined with intuition, right? Mm -hmm. They go hand in hand because empathy is a form of intuition. My body is giving me a signal and intuition is just all about getting those signals. Right. So beautiful. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, my mind was going to all of the women who are so empathic and heartfelt and in caring careers um, who might simultaneously have these trauma responses going on inside of them. And so even though their, their career is service oriented, they're actually more and more and more depleted um, because sometimes that good, good work is reinforcing the trauma pattern, but mm. like all is not lost. Um, we can heal the trauma pattern, see the empathy as the superpower and rise into the true service that we're meant to meant to be here to give. Absolutely. And, and I just want to say that um, healing the trauma doesn't have to look like reliving the trauma. That's, I'm so glad you said that, right? Because so often when we know that there's been a trauma, we go into trauma work in, in a really serious, um, almost controlling, I'm saying this because I've done it, um, like I'm going to attack this thing. Like mm-hmm. sometimes that's what <laughs> trauma work feels like. It's like, I'm going to heal it, damn it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think that that, mindset again, because I've done it and I've lived it. That's why I'm saying this. It perpetuates the pain body. It perpetuates the trauma when you're like working at it. So I think what you're, you're offering is just such a, um, new and evolutionary way to think about trauma. Thank you so much. (laughs) So much. Yeah. Yeah. And I really do. Um, it's going to be a theme that just reoccurs and reoccurs on this podcast that the things that happen to us can be the source of the superpower. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. because we are we are the sum of everything that has happened to us, but mostly what's happened through us, right? Right. Right. Because everything, everything can be looked at from a higher light, a higher perspective. And, and so when we're doing this trauma release, it's, it's important to remember that, yes, we don't have to relive it. We don't have to get caught in the story of it to let it go. Right. We can come at it from a higher frequency, a higher energetic, a higher light and start to say, wow, this actually shaped who I am as a person. It's actually become my superpower because I went through this trauma, but I also am willing to let go of it because I don't need to hold on to it in order to be in my superpoweredness. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, this path that I'm calling sacred remembering. So you're aligning to the core of you. You're aligning mm-hmm. to this higher vibration, higher frequency that is your superpower. And then you don't need to hold on to the old identity of the trauma in that space. We're saying the same thing. I'm just saying it differently. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. Katie, I want to open this up to you and ask you if there's anything else that you want to share with guests. I definitely want to share with them where to find you if anyone listening is interested in working with you, but is anything else arising as far as topics or shares that you really want to get across to the audience today? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm doing a ton of work now um, preparing for 2020 and just want to mention that as we move into 2020, we're being called to cultivate our divine masculine frequencies. Yes, we are. <laughs> and, and so those of us that are the way showers are actually doing that ahead. And we're actually getting a really difficult crash course in it in these last few months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you're feeling that, just know that that's happening for the collective and it's happening for each of us on a microcosmic and macrocosmic level to some degree. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a big theme that's going to be coming forward in my work next year, which is how do we embrace the divine masculine as women? Yeah. What is, what is the divine masculine as women, right? <laughs> like, what does that container look like? What does the structure look like? How do we love it? How do we flow with it? And how do we continue to be our intuitive goddess-like selves in the midst of it? And, um, it's going to be an interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm being, I'm being called, I'm being called to the very first time next year to offer, um, a women's retreat called the awakened woman in June. And a big part of what we're going to do is explore this, explore yeah. what it looks like to be a, a woman in these, um, divine masculine containers that we're sometimes placed in or working with. So. Yeah. I have chills all over my left side, which is <laughs> Yeah, this is a rising for my mastermind. I have a six-month mastermind that's starting in January for women coming into their sacred truth. So aligning with the truth of who they are, clearing the traumas. And yeah, toward like month four, we're going to go there. Um, I think it's going to be that order. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's the instruction is that you know, as modern women, yes, reclaim the feminine. Yes, reclaim, you know... All, all of, um, all of the feminine. Heck yeah! And um, it, I really do believe, and we can jam on this longer if you want to, Katie. But I really do believe that it's actually going to be women who are the way showers for what healthy masculinity is. A hundred, a hundred percent. Okay, that's the first time yeah. that I said it that publicly. But I, um, yeah, I get it. I get it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, women are actually going to embody this and an anchor in masculine energy on the planet and be the way showers for even the men. Yes. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And they're sh- the, the men are showing up for me as yeah. clients and they're showing up saying, I don't want to be in the wounded masculine anymore. They're not saying that, but that's what they're saying. The patterns right. that they're presenting with, right. they're, they're tired, they're upset, yeah. they're frustrated, they don't feel fulfilled. And women have been saying that for so long, right? right. <laughs> and now, now the men are showing up and they're looking to us. As, okay, what does that look like, right? And so we've, many of us have been searching for that divine masculine partner and feeling like that's what's needed to complete us. What really is needed to complete us is for us to come into that in in, in ourselves, right? Hold that container for ourselves. And and, and then the partner, if the partner needs to be there, will show up, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Learned that firsthand these last few years. (laughs) (laughs) this is what was going on i wish i had gotten the memo before all the pain but hey (laughs) well and and that's that's a big part right of letting go of these traumas these these traumas that cause these patterns for us as empaths is that if you are in partnership 
you might have to look at your partner and say, Hey, you know, I've needed to fix you because I thought that was my job as an empath. And that's actually not my job. And we have to approach this differently. I had to have that conversation with my husband and we had to reevaluate our entire relationship, which was based on him wanting to be fixed and me wanting to fix someone. That right? right there for so many women. Yeah. Yeah. So many women, because that power play has just been reinforced and reinforced for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. We could have another full conversation <laughs> on that and maybe we will. Um, so please let our listeners know where to find you, your social links, how they can contact you, where you provide sure. sessions. Yeah. So I do sessions um, in person and over Zoom um, conference uh, for anyone that is called to do this trauma release, this work. Um, And I have several programs that I run. So if you go to zenwithinacademy.com, that's my company, zenwithinacademy.com, you can access my website with all of my events, all of my Um, I do a monthly energy update. There's just a ton of content out there that you can get to, to get to know me a little bit more. And then, um, you can access my programs and I, I have a new program starting up pretty much every semester. Um, so you can dive into that with me. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram, all at zenwithinacademy.com. Wonderful. And what's your next program coming up? Is that this happy empath? Um, I think the happy empath will come up, um, likely in December, January, but that's going to roll me right into my awakening program, which is my, um, basically my catch all program to teach you how to be an empath an energy medicine worker, all things at once. And so that'll be starting in January again. Wonderful. Katie Joe Sutton. Thank you so much for being here. It is always a delight to talk with you. I want to personally recommend Katie as a energy healer. And um, we didn't even talk about your 12th dimensional healing techniques today, but Katie's work is very, very powerful and effective. I can uh, give that testimonial from firsthand experience. So I hope listeners will hop on over and I'll put your links in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much, Katie. All right. I want to say a big thank you to our guest, Katie Sutton, today and to all of you listeners. And I want to invite everyone to a new Facebook group that's free and supports conversations about what we've heard today. You can head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash sacred remembering and join the conversation. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.